Have you ever thought about making your own podcast? If you, if you have, you should try Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First up, it's free. Second, the creation tools allow you to record and edit on your phone or your computer. You don't need a bunch of fancy equipment. And they'll distribute it for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole bunch of other places. And you can make money from it also, even with no minimum number of listeners required. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So if you're interested, you can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So check it out and try it and you you can be the next big podcaster or you can probably just do a better job than me. So um, give it a shot and have fun. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Rob the Genius Podcast. This is episode 31. And that's, you know, counting some of my little shorter episodes and very special commentaries and such. But this is the 31th episode. This week, uh, I got some NBA, well, an NBA story. I have, <laughs> but going to be talking a little more length about the obstacles that the NFL and Major League Baseball are running into, some self-inflicted, of course. And other than that, we got movie news or movie theater news. Uh, fun story about Sports Illustrated. And we have music this week from the Beastie Boys. So uh, they played us in. They will play us out, of course, at the end of the show, and they will play us throughout the show. So that's what we got. And kind of slow week this week. Well, all right, slow is the wrong word. Um, there's been the stories that are out there are, are pretty big. But there just hasn't been like a long list of stories this week. So we'll get into all that and whatever else I figure out to talk about during the week while I'm recording, as always. So uh, we'll start off. Um, NBA is starting back up. By the time you're listening to this, it will have started. And we'll see just how this bubble thing is working out they have tested 300 
people again and zero positive tests so as of right now the bubble system is working and you know fingers crossed or whatever you do for good luck you know so far so good and now we're going to get some real games going here and you know Hopefully, they will be able to finish the 2019-2020 season do, and do the playoffs. And then we can start thinking about the next season. Uh, Michelle Roberts, the head of the, or the, you know, the union president or head of player association. I'm not sure what her um, actual position title is. You know, because like, there's always like a player who's head of the players association and like the union boss or whatever is usually like some type of lawyer or something so according to her she she's already saying that you know we need to think about the bubble for the next season i think that's smart because we are not going to be in a you know covid free environment you know they're supposed to start the next season in december i believe and look we're yeah, we're not we're not going to be COVID free by then. So, if they're going to be as proactive as they have been so far, then they're already working for working on doing the bubble for next season. And as it stands right now, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking that the Lakers are going to win. I'm not sure. I admittedly have not been. You know, watching NBA much at all this season, and I haven't really watched it much the last few seasons. Uh, to be honest, you know, I like basketball. I love basketball as a sport, but uh, my heart, as far as a fan, is still in the '90s with Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley and them. Uh, You know, I, I mean, I kept watching after that they were done and through the kind of 2000s through around, I don't know, 2010 or 2012 maybe. But, you know, last few years I've kind of lost my way as an NBA fan. I will check some of this out now. See how it goes. Yeah, I haven't watched any of the baseball really, even though that's going, and I will get to baseball later. But... They got potential catastrophe there. Uh, hope it didn't go that way, but you know, it ain't looking too good right now. But anyhow, uh, let's get this thing rolling. I'll be right back and with a little funny NBA story to start things off.
All right, just had to head on to the basketball part of things. Um, <laughs> this is good. Lou Williams of the L.A. Clippers got an excuse absence to get out of the bubble, and then turns out, you know, instead of like going to see family or something that you would get an excuse absence for. He went to Magic City. <laughs> Not the Magic Kingdom now, but Magic City. And for those of you who don't know, Magic City uh, is an establishment where, well, you can help some young women work their way through college. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I've never been to Magic City, but well, I've never had a chance to go to Magic City. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to score any, you know, Puritan points here or anything. I mean, I don't live in Atlanta. I haven't been to Atlanta in a long time, and I damn sure not going there now during the pandemic. But yeah, it's, it, it, it's a place. Look, if you've got any kind of money, and you either live around there or you have the means to fly in and drop in, then you, you've probably been there. Now, from what they say, the food is actually good, too. You know, so, for whatever that's worth. But, you know, we, we were wondering how long it would be before somebody tried to either, you know, sneak someone in, bubble to uh, spend some time with or <laughs> you know try to escape the bubble to spend some time with but here it is we got what two weeks and <laughs> we got Lou Williams you know getting an excused absence and using that excused absence to go to Magic City I mean <laughs> this is just hilarious uh, I'm sure he, he and so he had to quarantine after coming back and they're going to have to test him and all that stuff because can't have you going to Magic City catching the Rona and then bringing it back to the bubble I mean and Lou <laughs> we love you man but um, well I hope you had fun because that's probably going to be it for a while. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, NBA, gotta love it. Gotta love it. I still think, you know, they're going to make it. I still think they're going to, you know, they're going to make it. They're going to survive at least this, you know, playoff. This you know, end of season plus playoff thing. They're going to survive. Uh, it's just a matter of how things are going to be when it's time to, to start up the next season. And we'll see. <laughs> but, oh, man, that's great. We love you, Lou. We really do, man. All right, be right back.
Sabotage from Beastie Boys. And that is the lead-in to our, you know, basically was almost weekly, uh, baseball and football update. Uh, you know, the baseball and football, you know, reopening or restarting update, that is. And, boy, a big mess on both fronts right now. First, uh, on the baseball side, well, we're talking up to now, we're up to 18 players, or 18 people, you know, players and staff from the <coughs> Florida Marlins who have tested positive for COVID-19. And uh, it, it, it's just bad. You know, they had to postpone their games for all of this week, you know, through this coming Sunday. And, I mean, that's the most optimistic appraisal. I mean, they may have to repost, you know, they, have, they may have to postpone more games, you know, if, you know, if you don't have enough people to play. Right, because they are <laughs> infected with COVID-19. And, well, what's really bad is the way that this unfolded, right? They had a few guys tested positive, like on, I believe it was Saturday. And then, instead of, you know, shutting it down right there, they went and played a game. Knowing that they had guys who tested positive, they went and they played a game. And <clears throat> that made it worse. So now, you know, uh, the news came in. Like, well, I think the, the reports started coming in Sunday. And then, you know, come Monday, it was out there. And it just, the number just kept going up and going up and going up. You know, um, 5 to 8 and 11, 14. Now we're up to 18 people, players and staff, who have tested positive for coronavirus. And it was totally avoidable. And now... You know, the rumor mill, this has not been confirmed, but the rumor mill is saying that, you know, a few of their guys were out at, like, at a strip club or something in Florida, and that's where the initial kind of infection happened. And, of course, they brought it to the clubhouse started spreading it around, some guys tested positive, and then the team went out and played a game, which they should not have done. Um, that is how these things get really bad. And, you know, before this happened, now the sad thing is that, you know, Major League Baseball, they had their, you know, big plan for this, that, and the other, and they had no provisions for what to do if there was an outbreak on a team. Like, they had provisions for individuals, 
but not for if there was an outbreak on the team. And what happened here is that the Marlins should have pulled themselves out of the game, and they should have just straight up, you know, not played. But they did what players will do, and that is they went and played. Because that's what players do. They, if they can drag themselves on the field, they are going to play. Which is why, in a situation like this, if you're going to have games, you have to have hard rules in place to save the players from themselves. Because they are not going to sit down if they if they feel like they can go. Alright, I remembered it. I mean... Before coronavirus, I mean, there are guys who have gone out there with the flu and with pneumonia, right, and um, all other kinds of ailments, right, and just gone out there and played. So that's what they're going to do. They are going to play. Guys have gone out there with, you know, muscle injuries that should have kept them on the shelf, and they shoot themselves up with whatever they need, and they go out there and play. That's what they do. All right, guys go out there. Guys get concussed during games playing football or whatever. And if they can sneak their way back on the field, that's what they do. So you've got to have rules in place. And you've got to have just things that go into effect that do not give the players the opportunity to think things over or make a decision. You cannot leave that in the players hands to make a decision because they are going to play the coaches are going to send them out there because the coaches have the same kind of mentality because they are not going to lose a game or they're not going to forfeit a game with the way with just the kind of precarious nature of being employed as a coach as easily as you can get fired coaches are not going to forfeit games Players are not going to keep themselves on, you know, on the shelf voluntarily. So you've got to have stuff in place that says if X number of people test positive, team is off the field and team is quarantined and we postpone the games. And if we can't make up the games on the back end, then it is what it is. I mean, that's what you got to do. There's no way around it. And what these guys did is the opposite of that. And they're dead wrong for doing it. And now here we are. But I put this on Major League Baseball. I don't put this on the players because players play. They are like I, you know, they are going to put themselves on the field unless something happens, you know, directly to them that, you know, kind of shocks their conscience or whatever. That's what's going to happen. Players are never going to pull themselves out if, if they can go. So now baseball messed up here, and now they have an outbreak on one team. They have a, you know other another team that was exposed of the. Uh, and then the baseball owners are in a kind of desperate situation here because they need to have these games so they can make their money. That is, you know, um, that's just where it. That's where we are now, and it's just 
no one has an incentive, you know, if to stop if you leave them to their own devices because everyone is hardwired to play or to have the games. So you've got to have some type of superseding rule in place or whatever that kicks in, that takes the decision out of anyone's hands in real time. Because everyone is going to play. Everyone is going to say play on in the moment, okay? The players don't know that's how they, you know, that's how they're wired. The coaches are wired that way, and the owners need the money. And so they're all going to do the same thing. They're going to say, well, we're just, we, we're going to try and tough it out and hope for the best because we got to do this. And that's just how it is. So you got to have the rules got to be there to say that if, you know, this happens, then no game. Or, you know, this team is out. And no game. And that's just the way it is. And look, you don't have any fans in the stadium, okay? So it's not like you got to, you know, refund money or reschedule. And this is especially true, you know, for baseball and, well, and football because they don't have the bubble, right? They, You know, people are coming in and then, you know, playing their games and then they're leaving going back home. So, I mean, you got to be double strict with your... You know regulations as far as you know playing you cannot just you you cannot let these folks decide on their own in the moment because they will always choose to play now Um, that's just that's just it. You know, and, you know they had a the owners had an emergency meeting this Monday, and then Rob Manfred, the commissioner, came out and basically said that you know this is not the worst case scenario. You know, uh, blah, 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 and we're gonna go on. And you know, Bo Jones said on his show this week, he had to say this is not the worst case scenario because. If you say that now, and then, you know, a week from now, or two weeks from now, or a month from now, you know, two months from now, you get like a multiple outbreak situation. You're twice as bad. But they have every intention of just muddling their way through. They just do. Um, and it is what it is. So far, not good. And uh, we'll be back after some more Beats the Boys.
power back and we got some movie news here and that is uh, AMC theaters and Universal Studios have a reached an agreement to offer movies up for video on demand after 17 days in the theater so what that means is that movie comes out two and a half weeks later you get to rent the movie video on demand for twenty dollars and look that's been you know been getting kicked around and I figured they would reach some some type of deal would be reached eventually it was just a matter of the price point for the movie for the you know the on demand thing right because well movie theaters aren't going to be popping for the rest of this year and probably well into next year which means that the movie theater industry is in real trouble so they had to come up with something Right, and I looked at theaters. Of course, did not want to give any ground because you know there's the danger that you know basically that video on demand will just take over and render movie theaters mooted. But here, you know, you know they get a piece of the action, right? Um, which was the other thing, right? You know the the you know, price point for us to get the movies on demand, and then, you know, the, how much, you know, the theaters would get, like, you know, because, you know, they're going to need to get enough to make their money, to stay open, so you had, you know, so you had to come up with something for them, and then, there you go, so now it looks like they have reached a deal. And I, I forgot to look up what how much the theater is going to get, but you know they'll get their cut, and you know we'll get to see some of these movies. Now you know I mean now that now that execution is still to be figured out. And so what I think what's going to happen is is you know we're going to get limited releases. And so that you can get the 17 days out of the way. Oh, you know, of course, what else is going to happen is that, you know, these movies are going to open, they're going to open internationally first. Because, you know, the other countries have their act together as far as the coronavirus, and we don't. So they're going to open elsewhere. They'll have, you know, strict guidelines and stuff in place so that you don't get, you know, breakouts in the movie theater. And, you know, we'll get some limited release here. And then, you know, you'll... The 17 days will run out and then they'll be on demand. And it's just a matter of, you know, um, well... You know, whether you think twenty dollars is a good price, because well, if you look at it this way, look, if you go, if you go, 
even if you go solo to the theater, you know, it's at least $10 for the ticket. If you eat in, and if you eat some stuff, you're talking at least another $10, maybe more. I mean, look, sometimes the, the food costs more than the ticket. So, $20 is about right. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if, if they offered it at the regular kind of on-demand rental price, then that would kill the theater because nobody would go. Everybody would wait the 17 days and just rent it for five bucks. So they're not going to do that. So instead, you'll rent for 20, which is, again, which is what you would cost for a one, you know, for a solo trip to the movies. And I don't know if it's um, like a one-shot rental or like a two-day rental or what. Um, my guess is you're not going to get to like keep it for the whole weekend. I mean, but you know, um, I don't know if a one, I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of market there would be just for a one-off, you know, immediate rental. Because, I mean, God forbid you rent something at, you know, eight o'clock at night and you, you nod off and, and, and miss it, right? But you know what? Um, yeah, I think I'll be doing that. You know, and of course, this is just Universal Studios and it's just AMC theaters. So. You know, we, different studios are going to have to make their own deals with different theater chains. So, you know, you got Regal and, you know, and, um, you know, whatever the other movie chains are, you know, Cinemark, um, and, you know, you got all different studios. Like, well, of course, like Disney, Disney is the, the, the player. Right. Once Disney makes a deal, then you know, then that's the game. Because you know, I mean that's your all your Star Wars stuff, all your MCU stuff, all your Pixar and you know your Disney proper. Right, they have you know they have such a huge market share. So I mean, you know that, that you know that, that's when when the, the game is set. Then once they make a deal, and then whoever they make a deal with, um, now and you know now, I think it'll be fine for the blockbuster movies. Like you know, I will. Everybody's gonna, you know, look. I mean, everybody's gonna pay twenty bucks for the Marvel movie, right? Or the Star Wars movie, or you know, the Fast and Furious, or whatever, right? Those people will pay the twenty dollars for those. That's not the problem. Um, the question will be like the, the well, the, the movies that have already been struggling at the theater, right? Like the romantic comedies and the other kind of comedies and. You know, dramas and all that stuff, right? The, the movies that people aren't hard-pressed to go see on a big screen, right? Um, how are those... Because are you going to pay $20? You know, for... You know, Hangover? Well, you know, something like that. 
you know, would you would you pay the twenty dollars to see that after um, you know seventeen days, or would you just wait and you know um, and pay six dollars? You know, when the theatrical run is finished, right? I don't know. I mean, because, like, for example, this year, you know, the Bad Boys for Life, which was, you know, the big surprise hit of the year. And that's the one, you know, would that have done as much money under these kind of circumstances? Because it got great word of mouth, and then people actually went out to the theater to watch it. You know, would. Would you, would you pay the twenty dollars to have you know watch that on demand after the, you know the, and everything, or would you have, or would you just wait until and later and pay five dollars? I don't know. But look, I mean, the landscape is changing for sure, and it's good that they made a deal. You know, or it that you know the beginnings of deals are being made it's good that happened because to be perfectly honest like I said we are looking at next year at best for theater you know for theaters to be open again here I mean we'll see one thing's for sure um, we're not going to be the number one market anymore for movies because we couldn't get our act together and studios are not going to wait until next year and just keep sitting on these things they're going to they're going to release them internationally and get what money they get what money they can there and then you know they'll figure it out with us because we're not number one anymore folks we're just not be right back Another funny story here. That's Sports Illustrated has gotten into the supplement business. Ah, uh, yeah, that was a ad I saw on Twitter. Uh, it was like Wednesday, and 
you know, all your favorite pre-workout, post-workout, and whatever, you know, all the other kind of energy booster things and all of that. Now you can get those courtesy of Sports Illustrated. And it's just it's funny because, like, you have really fallen down the, you know, promotional shill rabbit hole when you start hawking supplements. And for, you know, a sports journalism outfit to be doing that is just, <laughs> I mean, and the way to look, you know what the next step is, right? Workout supplements, and then from there, anyone who has listened to sports talk radio, you know, at length at any point knows that the next step after workout supplements is erectile dysfunction drugs. <laughs> I mean, because like they got those commercials all over the station. If you know, I mean, you know, all different kinds, you know, pills and powder and, you know, some stuff is just going, this is the energy boost you need to make it through the day. And those times after the day is over when you want to engage in some activities. <laughs> and, um, uh, Frank Thomas, uh, you know, former baseball player, he's doing all these commercials now where it's like, was it, uh, I think it's called like eugenics or something. And that's the same thing. Like, you know, when you get older, you don't naturally have all the testosterone you used to have. And that prevents you from doing all kinds of things. So take this and, you know, it'll get you through the day and it'll get you through the nighttime too. <laughs> so like, that's, that's, I mean, uh, I think that's where we're going with Sports Illustrated here. I guess it depends on how the supplement stuff pays off for them. Um, from what I've heard, it's pretty easy to get into the supplement business. Um, it's just a matter of you being willing to put your name on the bottle, basically, <laughs> for, you know, whoever has some, some product they're trying to move. And, you know, it's also kind of, you know, shady business because some of the same folks who sell supplements, well, you want to give them something different, like HGH um, maybe? <laughs> they might be able to help you out there too. Right. So, um, who knows? Maybe within a year or two, we'll find out that, you know, Sports Illustrated has been, you know, we'll find out a year from now that Sports Illustrated has been, you know, moving HGH under the table while they're selling all these supplements. That'd be hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm at that age now where, you know, I get the emails and the, you know, stuff in the mail and all that, you know, the kind of targeted advertising. So, yeah, I'm starting, yeah, I get to see all that stuff all the time. Like, if you have trouble getting it up, well, you can try this product. <laughs> so, look, that's, that's the next step of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> let's, not, let's not laugh about it too much, all right? You know, they, um, <laughs> I, 
Oh boy, crazy times, isn't it? Yeah, well, alright, well, <laughs> we'll be back after this. Alright, so, uh, about the musical guest for this week, uh, this is the Beastie Boys. And they are, well, they're originally from New York, so I'm going back to my <laughs> area of bias when it comes to rap music. And uh, they started in the early 80s. And from what I understand, they actually were doing, I don't know, some uh, like punk or metal or something before that. Um, you know, and, but they were fans of rap music, and so they started doing rap music. And and I don't look, I don't know if it was one of those, you know, hey, we like it, so we're going to try this, or if it was one of those, you know, the record company told us to do it because. You know, white guys doing black music equals money. Um, I don't remember. But, <clears throat> that's definitely how it felt when they first started. And, you know, and whatever their true motivations were, that was kind of the reality. Because they came out and... Their debut album, License the Ill, you know, became the highest selling rap album ever. And, you know, for three white guys from New York to just outsell Run DMC and Houdini, Curtis Blow, you know, all the people who were their contemporaries around that time, LL Cool J. Um, it was just, it felt like, you know, same old, same old, right? You know, just you know, felt like Elvis Presley coming along and outselling Chuck Berry and Little Richard, right? Or uh, you know, the Beatles outselling Motown, right? I mean, that's how it 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 felt. The same kind of feeling, like it's like here we go. You know, we make this music. You know, it catches on, does okay. And then here comes a white guy to do the same music and sell a whole lot more because they're white. <laughs> and, um, but you know what? I mean, over time, <clears throat> they, you know, for lack of a better term, they, you know, they earn their keep over time. They prove themselves to be, you know, legit good at it. And you know, they, you know, they didn't sell as many albums after License the Ill. That was just kind of a lightning in a bottle kind of situation. But over time, you know, they showed that they were real about it and about the music. And as their, you know, sound kind of evolved, like, well... They have songs that sound like, you know, hard rock kind of songs. They have songs that sound like kind of traditional or conventional hip hop music. You know, they, they showed what they could do. And they had, you know, respect of people in the business, right? I mean, now one of the members, MCA, passed away a few years ago. So, you know, that essentially ended the group's career 
but they had a good run. And I guess, you know, that's another example of kind of the black-white dichotomy. They didn't get thrown away. Um, you know, they started in the mid-80s. Um, and then after License to Ill, they, you know, it was a while before the next album came out of Paul's Boutique. They left New York and went to L.A. And, you know, they had a pretty long run after that. And they were able to survive going from being a, you know, 10 times platinum act to just being a, <clears throat> you know, regular kind of act as far as, far as you know, sales and whatnot. They, they were able to survive that. And they were allowed to hit middle age in the business and not get thrown away the way we do so many other rappers. So, you know, while there's, you know, reason to look at that and be upset, you know, because, it's, again, it shows the inequity in the music business. Um, Look, they earn their respect, and you cannot, at this point, really hate on them as artists. Right? Um, <clears throat> and, they, you know, they weren't a novelty act. They were not, you know, they're not like, Vanilla Ice, who started hot, and then you know the record company got there too much, of, you know, got too much into what they wanted, you know, to pushing him how they wanted him, and everything fizzled out for him. That wasn't them. They, you know, they stayed true to themselves, to the music they wanted to do, and again, they proved that they were legit over time. And look, they, they deserve to be mentioned with the, you know, when you start talking about um, old school rappers, you know, and you're talking about LL Cool J and Big Daddy Kane and such, they deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. So I have some songs, you know, sprinkled throughout some of their different albums over the years. And... As always, you know, if you never heard their stuff, I hope this is take this invitation to go check out some more. If you hadn't heard it in a while, then, you know, good time to get reacquainted. So, uh, salute to the Beastie Boys. You know, uh, a lot of us doubted you at first, but you proved you belong. And you know, respect. And with that, I'm play play some more of this stuff for you, and then we'll get along with the show.
candidate former he was a businessman and uh, passed away uh, Thursday morning and he'd been in the hospital for the last month with coronavirus and it's thought people think that um he may have caught it at a Trump rally, or if not at the rally itself, on his way to the rally. And then you know the rally was in a indoor stadium. It was, you know, people were not distanced at all. They were weren't wearing masks and a lot of people in there were very defiant about you know not wearing masks and unfortunately wearing masks has become a political issue I guess you could call it which is unfortunate um, because it shouldn't be it should be a common sense 
thing. You know, if you listen to the, the experts, then they will tell you that if everybody wears masks, it will cut down on the transmission of the virus and it will protect everyone and it will cut down on infections and all of that. So, that's what we should do. But unfortunately, it has turned into a political issue. And people on the political right have taken it up as, you know, an example of their our freedom being stepped on so they've turned wearing masks into a political issue and now you have people being just openly defiant about wearing masks and Herman Cain was one of those people Right, I mean, he went to the rally. He tweeted a bunch about, you know, masks not being necessary and COVID nineteen being a hoax. Well, like, well, either he or some of his staffers or somebody was tweeting about it in, in his name. And he went to the rally. Um, I think he actually did send a tweet with a picture of him at the rally, with no mask on, basically saying, "Ha ha." you know it ain't no big deal or whatever or ha ha I showed you something along those lines and then he got sick and he's been in the hospital for a month and now he's gone and you know the question of how do we treat talk about him right because you know um, if if you weren't on the same side of the political aisle as him then you very well may have found him to be kind of infuriating or disgusting and you know this may feel like he got some type of ultimate comeuppance right um, I mean that's not really how I feel here I feel like this is just unfortunate and this is a result of people not taking this seriously And we need to take it seriously. You know, because, look, the virus does not discriminate. Um, and the virus does not, you know, back down because you said it's not real. You know, and, and look, and, okay, so, and because we don't, it's just, I don't know, I mean, there's, now, you know, Kane is right now. You know, on my timeline, he's 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 being vilified by people for you know political stances he took. You know, both when he was running for president and after. Um, and he's being vilified for you know being defiant and not wearing a mask. So there's a whole lot of he got what he deserved showing up on my timeline. I, I, you know, I don't roll that way. 
Um, you know, I don't think God chose to punish him for not wearing a mask. I think that, you know, sometimes what we think is divine punishment is really just the natural consequence of, or the, or of things we do. Or a natural consequence of things we do. I think that's what happened here. And I'm not celebrating. I'm not dancing on the man's grave. I wish it had not happened. Because him not wearing a mask is like a, he's not the only person doing it, right? He's basically indicative of a large group of people who are not doing it and who are endangering everyone around them. And that's sad and unfortunate. So I would, look, I would rather people be wearing masks and not spreading the virus and, and still have Herman Cain around to, well, honestly, I wasn't really paying him much attention anyway, but I'd rather have him around and not be dead because, you know, like I said, what his choice is indicative of what a choice that a lot of other people are making and are endangering the rest of us in the process. So, um, you know, my condolences to his family. And please, folks, take this thing seriously. That's the best thing I can say out of all this. Take it seriously. It's not a joke. All right. Be back after this. Like my name was Biz Hawk, but I had to do the shit. Just let me embark on the lyric on the noun and the verb. Let me kick the shit off, cause no, I'm not the herb. Well, it's not the herb, but the spice with the flavor. Just fair. The root with the funk for your dairy air. Well, we're on the topic, yes. I'd like to mention when it comes to the morning. Woo! I'm representing. Space and talking on the phone. And my brain is moving. I don't know where it's going. Talking lots of shit, a little tweaking on the weekend. Gotta get them by the breeze, cause I know that I'm freaking. Well, I'm a funky scholar, I'm a Scorpio. Talk about the times when I rhyme and when the MCs come on my face, I'm like mace. Cause I back them off with the quills. Cause I had to tell you, nigga, cause I keep it under frills. Rest of one nine one one sixteen Ab off of Farmer Boulevard, Boulevard, Boulevard. But I'm from Manhattan, MCA's from Brooklyn. Yeah, MCA, you should be cooking. Rain Mantis on the court and I can't repeat. But yo, dick, what's the set with your boots on your feet? Got the timbers on the toes and this is how it goes. Oh, one, two, oh my God. One, two, oh my God. topic so 
Um, there's this guy goes by the, the kind of well, his I guess wrestling name is Excalibur. He's a commentator for you know um, AEW wrestling, you know, all elite wrestling. And this video surfaced of him doing like a kind of a rant as part of you know, in character, where he said you know the word nigger. And this is from supposedly, I think, what, 17 years ago. So this is not while well, he's been working for All Elite Wrestling. Um, it's when he was in this uh, kind of, this thing called PWG. It's from out on the West Coast. It's kind of a, for lack of a better word, independent promotion. And from what I understand, it was just, I mean, the atmosphere was just, kind of edgelord kind of stuff and you know it was not uncommon for the mostly some of the mostly white wrestlers to say that kind of stuff in their promos and whatnot and the, and so this video surfaced this week of him doing it uh, there have been some other guys who have you know, said that type of stuff there. Uh, one of them, Kevin Owens, who was in WWE, and, you know, he has already, you know, he got, well, a few years ago, he addressed it. He, you know, he didn't wait for somebody to dig it up. I, I don't think he, you know, he, or maybe he did. I don't know. But anyhow, he addressed it. He apologized the whole nine. And but now this uh, you know Excalibur he's kind of on the hot seat now, so it just brings the up to me the bigger topic of dealing with this kind of stuff because these things keep seem to be just happening more and more often. You know, camera phones and such during the 1980s and 90s and all. But, well, so who knows? I mean, this type of stuff probably could, probably was happening. After all, I mean, we've been finding these, you know, photos, you know, from the 80s and 90s of, you know, white people in blackface, like the governor of Virginia and the president of Canada, right? I mean, we, we've found those and they've been like buried. Well, not even buried. They were in like yearbooks and whatnot. I mean, I mean, that's how, you know, common or whatever or not out of bounds that was considered in those circles, just like how in this PWG thing, it was not considered out of bounds to say the word nigga during you know promos or whatever and well just look as a black man it's eternally frustrating and infuriating and part of it is that 
you know, this type of thing happens, it comes out, somebody, you know, some white performer, be they a wrestler or, you know, singer or actor or actress or whatever, you know, who's popular, they have a following, and this type of thing surfaces, and then by white people that, oh, well, they said they were sorry, you know, it was 10 years ago, you know, do we really got to cancel them? And here's the thing, right? I don't know any of these people, all right? I don't know any of them personally. When something like this happens, it's disappointing as hell. Because, well, I mean, it shouldn't be unexpected at this point. It really shouldn't be. I mean, you know, you shouldn't be surprised when it happens. But sometimes you still are. Um, because, like, we don't just watch these people on TV and, you know, performing or singing or whatever, right? It's just, you know, in today's world, they cultivate a whole, like, online you know, persona between, you know, they got Instagram accounts and they're posting their Instagram pictures and, you know, they kind of put themselves out there for public consumption, you know, above and beyond when they're performing. So what happens is too often is that you kind of, it's real easy to fall into like a false sense of security that they aren't that kind of person who would be doing that. And then a video shows up or a picture shows up. And now it's like, damn, okay, I really like this person's music. I really like them as a wrestler or as an actor or actress. You know, I think they're really hot. And now, you know, but now there's a big turd in the punch bowl. Right? And then and, and you have kind of an emotional investment as a fan in this person. And so, you know, just cancel them. You know, um, like it's not that simple to just say, okay, well, hell with them. You know, I'm done with them now. Right? Because, I mean,. You know, the song was on the radio, you know, you still like the song. <laughs> I mean, you still do. Right? I mean, um, you know, if, if you really enjoyed the movies they're in, I mean, yeah, it's harder to watch them now because you know what kind of person they are. But, you know, I mean, yeah. But it's one of those things where what happens too often is that, you know, we have white people telling us to get over it or that they made a mistake or they apologized. You know, please, you know, let's not do the cancel culture thing. 
Because what that means basically is they still want to watch them, right? They still want to listen to them. They still want to read them or whatever. And they don't want, you know, us throwing a guilt trip on them because they still want to watch them, this person perform or read their writings or listen to them sing or whatever. You know, and... Sorry, that's not your place to tell us. Okay? And... It's one of those things where you know what you need to do? And if you're a white person and that happens and you, you know, if you interact with black people, whether they are friends or acquaintances of yours, or they're just people you talk to on social media or whatever, you know, when that happens, you know what you need to do? Nothing. Alright. You need to allow the offended party to process everything and make their own decision about how they want to go forward. Alright? And don't tell them to get over it. You know, like you know, from like a wrestling standpoint, the biggest example of this is Hulk Hogan. You know, Hulk Hogan, twenty fifteen, got busted on tape, saying a whole bunch of racist stuff, and he got, you know, he didn't he doesn't wrestle for WWE anymore, but you know he was you know, doing appearances and all that kind of stuff, and so he got kind of he got booted from that, and he got quote unquote suspended. All right, and then. You know, fast forward to early 2019, or it was either late 2018 or early 2019. You know, the suspension got lifted, and now up until that time, there were it was not out of the ordinary to see or hear from white wrestling fans. You know, in my kind of in my age group or a little older, who were just saying, "All right." You know, he apologized. He done his time. Well, they just you know, can we reinstate him now so he can come back? And you know what? I mean, that has never sat well with me because you know what? I don't care to see Hulk Hogan on my television in twenty twenty. You know, what he said, you know, in 2015 is a disqualifier to me as far as wanting to see him, you know, today. Now, I grew up watching Hulk Hogan. I was, you know, in my earliest days as a wrestling fan, I was a Hulkamaniac, right? And I enjoyed all of those matches he had back then. And my dad took me to see Hulk Hogan a bunch of times. And those are good memories, you know, of me doing stuff with my dad. And I remember those as good times, right? And so I'm not going to rewrite history and pretend that I didn't have, that those weren't good times because of what he said, right? And to be honest, I mean, you know, I can still watch his matches from that time because, 
those matches from that time represents, you know, something different than seeing him on TV today. And, you know, that's my kind of complicated, inconsistent resolution of it all. And, you know, if, you know, to any white people who might be listening to this, when something like that happens, you need to sit back and let the offended party, whether they are black or Hispanic or Asian, it's women you know and I guess you know I would be part of the people who need to sit back and wait in that case but are you you know but sticking to somebody Mm -hmm. you know saying or having done something racist in their past you know or if it happens in the present listen all right you know memo to white people You need to not do anything as far as it pertains to telling us what to do. You need to let us process it and come to our own resolution of how we are going to take that person going forward. And some of us are going to, you know what, we're going to cut them off clean and fast and it'll be, you know, no deliberation, no nothing. You know, some of us will forgive the person as long as they don't do it anymore, right? And some of us will be somewhere in the middle. Right? I mean, like I like I did with Hulk Hogan, right? I mean, you know, the, the performing he did when I was a child or a teenager, I mean, those days have hold a certain place in my memory where they're good and you know I'm not gonna rewrite those because of something he said but you know I don't want to see him now (laughs) okay and that's how I've chosen to resolve it you know some people I know don't want just you know don't want no part of him at any point anymore not the old stuff he did and not now either. But we all have the right to make our own decision as far as how we're going to deal with that kind of thing. And you know, another example is you know Mel Gibson, right? I mean, Mel Gibson has been in a ton of movies. Mel Gibson got caught on tape being all the way anti-Semitic right and for a while he got kind of blackballed blacklisted out of Hollywood or put on punishment or... but then after a while you know what he you know got back in and now you know what and we've all you know people who had canceled Mel Gibson you know are now had to decide you know what to do when he shows up in a movie they wanted to go see 
and you have to decide, you know, what to do as far as, you know, his old movies, whether or not, you know, you're just going to watch any of those anymore or you refuse. Right? I mean, people are doing that now with not a, well, R. Kelly, right? And that's not a racial thing, but, you know, R. Kelly made a bunch of songs that a lot of people really loved. R. Kelly's in jail because he's, he's a, you know, statutory rapist. Um, some people, because of that, can't listen to his music anymore. Some people compartmentalize it. Um, but it's not anybody's place to tell someone else how they're going to deal with that or how they're going to process it. And when it comes to, you know, someone who is, you consider to be a friend, you got to, you know, you're supposed to let them have, you're supposed to let them process it and you're supposed to respect their decision and respect their wishes and you know what and that means if you know if we're both wrestling fans and if you know if I you know if, if you're my friend and you don't want to watch anything that involves Hulk Hogan then if we're hanging out and we're deciding what wrestling thing to watch, then you know what? I'm not going to suggest anything that has Hulk Hogan. Right? I mean, if we're in the car riding somewhere and I know that you just cannot bring yourself to listen to R. Kelly. If R. Kelly comes on the radio, I will change the station. Now, I don't really care about R. Kelly one way or other music-wise. I was never a big fan, but you know what, I can I can change the station if somebody's in the car who I know ain't trying to hear R. Kelly. And if somebody else, if somebody's in the car with me who doesn't care, then, then I probably won't switch it, right? I mean, you know, I mean, but you got to respect people's wishes and let people process that stuff because if you're a fan of somebody and they, you know, say or do something like that then you know you feel hurt and betrayed as a fan and and you gotta process that and you gotta decide what you're gonna do because if you do choose to cut that person off that hurts too that was part of your life that was something you enjoyed doing that was something that you know brought you happiness and you, you know, now you're going to cut it out of your life because of what, because of how you were hurt, which is your right to do. But it's not an easy decision. Well, sometimes it might be an easy decision, but like the feelings and all that that come after that are not easy. So, I mean, if you're, you know, in short, let people process their pain. Let people process their feelings. And don't tell people how to. Don't, don't 
tell people that they got to get over it, you know, because you want to keep watching them or or listening to that person or whatever. All right, you you got to respect the people around you and let them figure this stuff out for themselves. Because it's not easy. And speaking again as a black man, we keep getting hit with this stuff over and over, right? It doesn't end. It's not like you got it's not like you have a quota of times that happens to you in your life and then once it's happened to you five times, you never have to deal with it anymore. Right? I mean it it, it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And quite frankly, sometimes man, you can get just real nervous about being a fan of, you know, a white actor or actress or wrestler or singer or whatever because nowadays you don't know when the video is going to come out or the picture is going to come out or the audio is going to come out. You don't know. And you didn't know before, but now because these things come out so frequently, you know, you might be a little bit on edge. You don't, you know, you becoming a fan of <laughs> of a white performer or entertainer or whatever is is... You know, it's just one of those things now, and um, so you have to, you know, when it comes to these kind of things, you as, you know, a white person, you got to learn to give people their space and let them figure out what they want to do and how they want to handle it and if they decide that they're done with you know that performer then you got to respect that and you can't try to force them to change their mind or to let them back in or whatever all right ultimately look equality is about respect and it's about respecting when I don't want to do things the way you want me to it's about respecting when something's important to me that I feel needs to be resolved and it makes you feel a little comfortable, uncomfortable to have to deal with it okay Equality means you got to respect that. Period. End the story. Because, look, at the end of the day, we just want people to not be racist. Seriously, that I mean, that's really it. If you, if you say, well, what do you want? We want people to not be racist. That's what we want. That's really all there is. Okay, if people wouldn't be racist, we wouldn't have this problem. That's all. And I see I have talked about this a really long time, but it's kind of a real serious subject, so it is what it is. And with that... 
know, move on. I, I mean, I trust me, I can go for a whole hour about this, but I won't, you know, because I don't want to eat up too much of your time here. But it's, I had to get that out. So we'll move on, and we'll be back after this. All right, well, that's it for this week. Um, got a little heavy there in some spots, but sometimes that's what we got to do. So, as we close out the month of July, oh man, it uh, July went by very fast. I mean, you know, I've talked before about the year taking seemingly forever but July went by quickly I mean it came and went so hopefully you know I've said before we can't get 2020 out of here fast enough um you know <laughs> yeah uh, let's keep it moving so I hope you enjoyed the Beastie Boys You know, there's a whole lot more to their catalog worth checking out. And, you know, again, my condolences to the Kane family. You know, despite like, what, you know, like if you're like me and you didn't stand on the same, if you don't stand on the same side of the political aisle as he did, um, you can still, you know, feel for his loved ones and you can still see what happened to him is sad really and look I don't wish coronavirus on anybody no matter who you voted for okay or what stances you take so let's do what we can to slow this thing down and you know to do that like I always say, stay home as much as you can. Stay safe as you can. You know, go out, wear a mask, please. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Uh, God bless you guys, and Lord willing, talk to you next week. And with that, Beastie Boys will take us home. Talk to you guys later.
I'm just with it when I catch MCs, it's time for me.